Hello and welcome to this extraordinary, highly anticipated episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo, here in a temporal pincer with Jeremy Fisk and Chapin Hemingway. I just want you guys finally... to know that I've already listened to this podcast and I'm coming back in time so I can drop all the hot takes on your you... on you guys. And I knew that he was going to interrupt my <laughs> intro. We are finally getting our chance to discuss Tenet, which, in time-bending fashion, was released in July, August, September, and finally now in December. Before we get to that, we're going to wrap everything up with our discussion on Tom Cruise's onset COVID-related outburst. We all believe we'd run into the burning building. But until we feel that heat, we can never know. You do. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. Nuclear holocaust? No. Something worse. for you is a word. Tell it. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. You have to start looking at the world in a new way. Don't try to understand it. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Fisher Morrow. The once massive Australian energy conglomerate is not quite the same since the death of Maurice Fisher, but they are still one of the few suppliers of the energy source that powers the world. They sort of randomly broke up their, you know, empire about 10 years ago. They gave us money. That's, they had plenty of money to give us. So that's what that's what happens when you fly commercial. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, it's here. Tenant. We've all watched it at least one and a half times. We've spent a lot of time talking about Christopher Nolan this year. Uh, we did a did director a series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ranked all of his films. Uh, he is a director that we love, that we really love, and. I think he has given us some of our most memorable movie experiences in the last 10 to 15 years. I remember very specifically uh, seeing The Dark Knight at the Arclight with Hugh Chapin, and they had the Batmobile parked outside. 
Can we I just remember say that I bought the tickets two weeks in advance? We showed up five minutes ahead of time for the biggest at the time, the biggest opening of all time. That's why we need assigned seats in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And if listen to our episode last week, if you're <laughs> curious what Chapin's getting at there. And Jeremy, I remember seeing uh, Inception with you at the IMAX at Jordan's in Framingham, and I believe Brantley was there with us. So we also Jeremy, saw Dun- Dunkirk there. No, we saw the no, Dunkirk not there. at the it one was in. in it was the IMAX in Randolph. In Woburn. Woburn. Wherever that one is. Yeah. Okay. Lexington or something. Yeah. So, little uh, North Shore, Massachusetts uh, <laughs> geography there for you. Chapin. What is, what's Chapin doing? Sorry, I, my recording stopped, so I just wanted to redo it. So, no problem. Keep going. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more about Nolan throughout this podcast. I know we've all been a little frustrated with him lately, but... Let's try to focus on well, Tenet. Let's explain at least the why we've been frustrated with him, because we just praised him for five minutes. So why have we been frustrated? Well, with if him? you've listened to any of our more recent podcasts, you know that we don't necessarily agree with his take on the Warner Brothers HBO Max decision. And we think that maybe he's a little out of touch and isn't quite taking into consideration all that is going on and the reasons behind Warner Brothers' decision to put their movies on streaming services at the same time as they're putting them in theaters for 2021. That's a discussion we've had at length, and I'm conter- I'm sure as it continues to evolve, we're going to have have it some more. But today is all about Tenet. Let's put that stuff aside. Let's approach this movie as it is really probably what was our most anticipated movie of 2020. And let me just give a, a very broad breakdown of what this movie is not what it's about but just what it is uh it stars john david washington as a character called the protagonist robert pattinson as neil elizabeth debicki as cat and kenneth branagh as sador and the film basically travels around the world from kiev to mumbai to oslo and back again it's got massive massive set pieces followed by massive set pieces and all of these things are are spun together in a way that perhaps only nolan can attempt if not achieve it's a confusing bond-like action movie that manipulates time in a way that we've never seen before but i want to know what you guys's basic takeaway was from this movie after your first viewing not necessarily your thoughts on its quality we'll get into that and not necessarily what you may have uncovered on repeat viewings we'll get to that as well i just want to know considering our love for nolan's movies uh, and then the star power, the set pieces and uh, original concept and everything that this movie kind of brings on a broad scale, what you left that first viewing feeling like. Um, you want me to go first? Sure, go for it. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up the Bond thing because one of my, my big points is like if anyone ever argues that Christopher Nolan needs to make a Bond movie, my my argument would be he already did. This is a sort of elevated Bond movie. And Kenneth Brenna's character is a Bond villain. Like, just absolutely what I think of it. Um, but I feel very similar to how how Lee felt at the end of Let Them All Talk about this movie like christopher nolan playing with time it's like okay (laughs) 
I get it. You can do what you want, but I don't need to see it. Oh, like no. he's done it. He's done it so well and nobody's better. And it's not quite to that extreme, but like this, this movie, I really, I like, I, I don't think he quite was able to capture the intrigue of time the way he wanted to. It, it's really a anything goes uh, manipulation of time where if anything goes, nothing matters. I'm bored. Next. Chapin? I, I was definitely confused. I, I know you've seen this 11 times now since yeah. Tuesday, so try to remember your first No, no, viewing. I remember. I, I was confused. I thought it was a bit of a mess. Um, I was like, how could he be so arrogant to insist we see this in the theaters where we would walk out, you know, with no ability to revisit, revisit it without, you know, buying another movie ticket. Um, but yeah, like I thought, um, I thought it went really, really quickly. Like if you, if you, um, you know, take inception or, you know, interstellar, and like packed, compressed it. And you had all that, you sort of had all that um, intrigue and meaning and Christopher Nolan-ness. And you just compressed it into a, 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 a shortened time period. You know, there was just a lot going on. And it was very, very hard to follow. You know, I have a very, very nice sound system in my house. I have a speaker that's about this, you know, it's it's it weighs about 10 pounds. It's about, you know... 14 inches wide and 10 inches deep dedicated to dialogue and I couldn't understand the fuck what anybody said in this movie and that's a problem because this you didn't movie, miss anything the dialogue was very stagnant and boring so this, this movie you need to understand the dialogue um, because there's a lot of exposition that happens through it I mean and not in the way that like you know I was kind of hoping for um, <laughs> Elliot Page to come in and do a um, uh, uh, an exposition sure. dump, I so that. I knew what was going it, on. I kind of needed it. Um, yeah. But we we could have used an Elliot Page. We could have, we could have, and but like, you know, I thought Dimple, whatever her name was, was great. But like, you Dimple know, Capadia, yeah, casting a woman whose English English is not her first language in a movie where the filmmaker doesn't seem to give two shits about you know the audience hearing the dialogue. Uh, you know, like those combinations of things are very difficult to understand. And she was like the um, Ariadne of this movie and you couldn't understand what she was saying. Um, but, you know, like, like you, you know, Lee, I, I rewatched this um, with the subtitles on and I read a couple articles and watched a couple YouTube videos under, to understand it. And I have a finer appreciation of the film after having done that. But I think that speaks a lot to what we've been discussing with Christopher Nolan, you know, in, essentially in a vacuum because we haven't seen this film and we know that he's wanted us to see it in the theater. And I think that the, you know, having, I don't know. I don't know. I think in many ways this film should have been seen in a theater, but I also, I think I would have left with no idea what, what had happened. And, and, and it would have been fair. It would have felt very unsatisfying because I wouldn't have had the ability because I had to pay $20 for the digital copy of this film. And I was allowed to watch it again. I, I, um, I, I don't know what I would feel because I would have to go in and see it again to, to truly understand it. So my first viewing, which 
our audience knows originally was was actually this coming Sunday, but here we are on Friday. All right, you you are right, um, you've been going back in time so you could get, get very, I mean, yeah, you went through the turnstile so we could get yeah, this podcast out early. Thank exactly. you for doing that. Um I enjoyed it and I was for the most part pretty captivated by this movie. I had no idea what was going on, but it oddly wasn't really bothering me. I knew and I think that came because I knew I was going to have to watch it again to understand it, even before going in. I just, right off the bat, I knew that. I turned the subtitles on maybe 10 minutes into my first viewing. I just had to. And I'd like, to, we can spend a little bit more time on kind of like the mechanics and some of the filmmaking in this and like how big of a problem maybe that is. But I, I found, you know, this movie to be good for me in the same way that the Mission Impossible movies or Bond movies are. That's not high praise, but that's not quite to the negative side of things where Jeremy seems to stand. Rolling into my second viewing, which I only got halfway through, and like you, Chapin, reading some articles about what this movie was about, I started liking this movie less, actually. Uh, I started becoming more frustrated with it. I think, aside from the arrogance that we've talked about before of a filmmaker making a movie that you have to see more than once, the more you try to understand this movie, not only the more does your head hurt, but the more some of the like ridiculous, dumb plot points reveal themselves. And I, I worry <laughs> that the more I watch this movie, the more of those will be revealed and the dumber this movie will get. I think the the time manipulation, the the reverse entropy, the the people moving backwards as inverted characters and and objects and people moving forward. I think as that stuff takes better shape and you begin to understand it and visualize it better, that will maybe that will make this movie uh, a little more unique and a little more exciting. But ultimately, I think those repeat viewings will bring all these other issues to the forefront things that we don't that exist in his movies but we don't have as big a deal with because we don't have to look as hard for everything else and i don't know i i think it's very possible that this movie could end up being one of nolan's least respected movies when all is said and done yeah, time will I tell mean, interesting to segue into that i this is my least favorite nolan movie this and insomnia you could you can uh, flip a coin, I think, and and I had similar issues in Inception than I had with this, but at least Inception made me interested and curious to figure out the timeline and to figure out where these characters are at, and it it put it put everyone in a structure that I was like, okay, this is interesting. I had issues with it, but I was like, okay, yeah, I want to figure more out. Whereas this, I didn't care. I didn't care what the point was. It's like, it's a super complicated plot, I guess, with nearly no complicated characters. It's a James Bond movie with a boring Bond. Like, yeah. It's I, the I think, con- the mm-hmm. concept's almost above human life interest. Like it's just too I don't it's see, too big. I don't think it has to do with interest. I think the ter- the idea of it being too big is valid though. I I it honestly and this is like a, a 
a hyperbole that that is used often, but it hurt my brain reading the the breakdown of this movie and like trying to figure out that scene an hour and a half in when they're going through the turnstiles. I don't I don't want to spend a lot or even very much of this podcast like trying to talk about what's happening and trying to explain it because for anybody who hasn't seen it or who anybody hasn't seen it 15 times, that's going to be boring and confusing for them. I think it's more important to talk about, you know, why things did or did not work. Mm. But trying to uncover the the high concept of this movie made my brain hurt. And that that was really annoying. Yeah, I, I, not, I like that. I like that. I don't I, I see I like that to a certain extent. I like figuring out, you know, the certain things like well, I like okay. figuring out the time manipulation and inception. Well, see, the Back what, to the Future movies, I like putting those pieces. This is together. what's like, interesting about about Nolan is that he is this guy who has you know distinguished himself as kind of a uh, purist, and that his movie must be seen in theaters despite a global pandemic. But this is a movie for this age, you know. Like people are going on Reddit and watching YouTube videos and talking in blogs about how this works. And I think they've done this before in Interstellar and they've done this before in Inception. Yeah, those... and, okay. and, and, and I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. No, no, I'm like, going to make another point. But like this, this is interesting. I find this stuff interesting. I think I like this movie better than you guys. Big surprise. But, I... but he's a filmmaker for this age where people can see the movie go home and blog about it or read a blog or read a YouTube video and figure it out. And I think that's an interesting sect to be in because there's people who want to figure out what happened. I think it, it means a certain amount of depth to his movie, even though I agree with you that, that, that this film does not have the emotional depth of, so I, I think, you know, it's interesting because that's, that's been our MO for, for Nolan for the last six months in anticipation of this movie. And I think, Honestly, like figuring it out, at least in, in my small part of it, had a lot to do with going on the internet, you know, reading an article on Vulture and then watching a couple YouTube videos to figure it out. But I mean, that isn't to say it wasn't a satisfying experience. I found it very satisfying. I think this is a good movie. I, I don't know that it's one of Nolan's best, um, but I think it was a lot of fun and he delivered on the Nolan promise, I would say. Okay couple things to cover there one i think there's a difference between making a movie that elicits an internet response and theorizing over whether or not the top is going to keep spinning in inception versus an internet like explosion about what is going on in this movie and needing a full explanation you know we've been skirting around this for a while now and i'm just going to come right out and say it if you have if you make a movie that you have to watch a s- watch several times with subtitles on that's a problem. That's not okay. This needs to stop. Like, there's a difference between making a movie that a second viewing reveals some other additional things that make it's thought-provoking. You know, you want to uncover the themes a little deeper. There's a difference between that and needing to see a movie a second time to understand what is going on, or a third time, or a fourth time. This is a problem yeah. with this movie, and I liked it too i think there's a lot to enjoy about this movie i don't think it's a bad movie i do think it runs the risk of getting worse 
with repeated viewings. It will still be exciting because it still has the same qualities that Bond movies and Mission Impossible movies have. But as you guys know, like the last Mission Impossible movie, I wasn't a huge fan of. Like, because we've, we're starting to see the same things over and over again. Doesn't make some of these things awesome. Doesn't make a 747 crashing into the, a building any less awesome. That car chase going in reverse. Really cool. Interesting stuff. Mm. But but for what? I mean, I just... I didn't know what but was going know, on. I, th- guys. I, th- I think like, it's a fascinating that. concept. I, th- I actually think the set pieces in this movie are pretty tame compared to some of the other things we've seen in Nolan. But I think what really stands out is this concept. It's a, it's a wholly original concept. And yes, it's, if you can I think follow it's fascinating. it, then that's fine. But what's the point of wholly original if the the characters are boring and there's no emotional connection to you, any of you them? You thought Pattinson and, was boring? Yeah, so I, I have a very interesting note. Like, I thought... Pattinson was trying to do something interesting at the beginning and then sort of abandoned it. Like, I thought he was going to be this interesting sort of English drunk spy, and that didn't that didn't stick. Like, I thought not, like, that relationship between uh, Washington and Pattinson, like, I didn't care. Like, there was no emotional baggage there. And then Nolan uses his crutch of flashbacks to try to manipulate us into feeling something for like the the female lead who was a fixie nominee by me by the way um for what is uh what's the black for for widows yeah chapin too i think yeah 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 oh for widows yeah um so like it's very it was very reminiscent of Inception in that the Leonardo DiCaprio flashback of his kids, like that that bowl of candy or something that she broke on the deck, like it was the same thing. And it's just like I I feel like he's almost gotten lazy as a filmmaker, and it, it's about the concept well, way way more than any of his characters. Th- there's there's a lot of this movie that you could say is like almost derivative of his own movies, which is is fine. Like. This movie is derivative of a lot of things. James Bond, Back to the Future, Inception, Harry Potter kind of takes something right out of Harry Potter. Yeah. And <laughs> like I, I that stuff can totally bother me. What I but uh, it's interesting you brought up the performances and specifically the relationships, Jeremy, because I think that John David Washington is getting a lot of praise for his not necessarily just his performance but kind of his star power in this movie and i was kind of disappointed actually in him i thought the movie star was robert pattinson like i liked him a lot in this movie i think think they were both great i think i think washington was fine but he was i thought it was boring yeah i kind of agree with jeremy i think he was a little bit boring i think pattinson was charming and mysterious and just like a bona fide movie star. And like, I typically don't like when actors that I like go and do superhero movies, but I kind of am excited that he's going to be Batman because this will just escalate him to like full movie stardom. And hopefully after Batman, he, you know, continues to pick good roles, which he's, he's been doing for uh, the last several years. So he was, I, I liked him a lot. Kenneth Branagh, like, just hammed it up major time. Like he's, he read this script and he's like, Oh, I'm a bond villain. I'll do that. Sure. And that's what he did. But Debicki kind of boring also. And so I, I'm not, I'm kind of with you, Jeremy, in the sense that like some of these characters were boring, but not Pattinson. I thought he was great. 
I thought he started great, and then I thought he was fine the rest of the way, but I thought he was really trying to do something interesting at the beginning and, and sort of abandoned it. Well, because the, the movie just started, got so big and busy. Like, you stop watching that. You spend so much time trying to keep up. And the other thing that I, I struggled with in this movie is kind of the way, like, because this movie is so busy and everything is so big and moves so fast, and typically, like, and, and even in this case, we like when a filmmaker isn't, like, holding our hand and, you know, pressing pause so we can catch up. But the way a lot of these scenes are shot, you're not able to get kind of a big picture visual of what you need to see in order to understand everything. And I'm thinking about just these scenes with the turnstiles. Everything comes in and out of those so fast some of the time that you don't, you don't get a minute to just look at it at the, on the screen and see what you need to see and comprehend it. So that's just an example of many things that are happening. The the piece of the algorithm that goes flying out of the car happens so quickly, you don't even see it for what it actually is. And I, I found some of those things to be problems, kind of just from a filmmaking mechanical standpoint. The movie was just moving around its action and its concept too quickly for you to be able to comprehend any of it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. Like, and look, this movie is just incomprehensible. Like, I I, I, I tried to utilize that time to latch on to some of these characters, but like, even the main relationship, like, I had no I, idea what like what the pro- protagonist saw in her. Like, why was he interested? Why why did he latch on to her so quickly and made the made it the whole movie about? Her, I, I didn't get the yeah, I didn't see that either. appeal. Like there was no no backstory there. Like why and does I think, he even like her? And why look, why does are, he care? Those are things I'm willing to forgive because I I will give Nolan the benefit of the doubt, and that some of the smaller things like, you know why why certain relationships exist or we should care about them. He usually covers that stuff, and maybe a few more times watching this, and. I didn't love this movie, but I liked it enough and it's exciting enough that I will, I'm sure I will watch it more. But how many times sort of depends on how frustrated I get while I'm watching it, trying to figure it out. Because like I said, like it was getting worse as I was going through my second viewing, not better. Yeah, I think it's interesting when we talk about second viewing movies and I think we're all kind of on the same page with what those are, and I think they're very rare. What a real sec, what what a movie you need to watch a second time is, and I don't think this is one of them. Like I'm talking about Mank, I'm talking about Zodiac, I'm talking about uh, the Master. Um, there will be blood. There's there's movies that you watch the first time and you're like, there's PTA movies. <laughs> Well, this is just what came off the top of my head. Yeah. But yeah, like there's movies you're just like, yeah, there is more to this movie and I need to I need to grasp it. There's something amazing here um, that I didn't quite get the first time. And then there's this movie, which is a second viewing based on how confusing it was. Now, uh, OK, Chapin, you're shaking your head at us so much. I just. This movie is really confusing 
but you, I know you've read some things. You've watched it even a few more times than us. Yeah, I think you guys will watch it a couple more times, and you'll you'll come back in six months and say, Chapin, please forgive us. We were wrong. Um, Chapin knows that we so. already did that, I think. Well, I do know that you did that. I, I went through the turns. Yeah, look, look, I... I I think I think the big thing that was missing for me from this film was the emotional part of Nolan's movies. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I I to be honest, I, I found that lacking in in Dunkirk, and I think you know Lee, you especially in our uh, Nolan retrospective, uh, found an appreciation for that film, um, and and certainly I did as well. Uh, maybe not. I don't think quite to the degree that you did. Um, but on my third, on my third viewing, my favorite movie of the year that year, I was the only one that had that. Well, we didn't do the fixies that year. It was still my favorite movie of the year. Okay. Well, yeah, (laughs) our favorites just ceased to exist sans fixies. (laughs) So, so I think we, I think that's a movie we, 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 we've all come to appreciate a little bit more. Um, but it's, it's one that when you view initially, it's hard to connect with emotionally because there aren't any characters you recognize you, you sort of, um, you know, you don't really know who, who you're supposed to connect with. And I think that's a little bit the way it is here. I think that no, if you guys the see difference this, is, okay. this movie is asking you to do that. Whereas Dunkirk is not, this movie's asking you to have that connection between those characters where Dunkirk is, is more about like, survival yes but it you you, in the way that you root for somebody and that you attach yourself to a character in a film like you do and or you try to do in every film i don't think that comes through until a couple more viewings look that's a fair point especially with dunkirk I made a big deal about how I was in line with Tarantino on Dunkirk, where it wasn't my first time, wasn't my second time, but my third time watching it, like everything all of a sudden just like came to full view and I just loved it. It's my favorite Nolan movie. I would love for that something like that to happen with this movie. I, I'm not pushing against it. I'm dubious of it, though, for all the reasons that we've talked about. I just, this movie, it, when I saw Dunkirk, I was just like, Yes, I like this movie. It's really impressive. I can understand why other people like it more than me. This is the opposite, where I'm watching this movie and I'm saying, you know, geez, I, this, this movie has a lot of problems. I think the more I see it, the more of those problems are going to reveal themselves. And that's what concerns me about, you know, repeat viewings on this. I, I, I just, it hurts my head. That's, that's not a good thing to happen. Having to watch this movie yeah. so many times with the subtitles, and granted, the subtitles is a issue with the sound mix on this movie that for some reason Nolan can't take care of but to make make having them there so that you can follow every single line of dialogue to make sure that you don't miss anything that's a problem and like just there's there's silly things in this movie like there there feels like there's scenes in this movie that are there to be scenes that just to be like big impressive set piece scenes like the the sailing scene why did that have to be that? Like the 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 point of that scene ultimately is for us to see Elizabeth Debicki push Kenneth Branagh off and John David Washington saves him. I do, Fine. I but do that's feel a, like an they enormous, stole that expensive from, scene from last September. It, that's where I, 
he got the idea. That's Who's that's it? brilliant. I Nolan's mean, every, had that for, for ten I'm years. Have and, a huge influence on Nolan. Yeah, but and then even you know everybody kind of loves the scene in the the fight scene in the kitchen where he you know is beating guys up with cheese graters. But like, okay, for what? Like it's just there's a lot of that in this movie, and like that's what makes it a Bond movie, right? That's what makes it a a, a Mission Impossible movie. Fine, and Jeremy, you even said, and I don't even think you meant it, that this is Nolan's elevated Bond movie. It's an elevated concept that may or may not be effectively executed, but it is not an elevated Bond movie. It just is a Bond movie, and that's fine. But let's not give it the praise that we give a typical Nolan movie. I get really tired of the Nolan apologists that say things like, and this is broad, but like saying things like, well, this doesn't make sense in the movie, but that's the point. Isn't that brilliant? No. That's not the point. It doesn't make sense. Or they say, like, there's a line in this movie where Robert Pattinson is explaining the the how inversion works or something, and he says, does your head hurt? Or, does your head hurt yet? Basically talking to the audience, yes, my head hurts. Yeah. And the characters, does, also, because none of this fucking makes sense, and that's a problem. That's not a something line, you can say, This that's the whole point. Yeah, there's a line where, uh, what's her name from In Bruges, says, don't try to understand it. Yeah, Clemens Posey says, don't try to understand it. So don't, but don't hear that line and then try to say, that's the whole point of the movie. You're not supposed to understand it. No, no I, false. I, I don't. I, I, and I that's think... what, okay, but that's what a lot of like Nolan apologists say. And they just praise these movies that he makes. It happens all the time with The Dark Knight. And that's what drives me up the wall about that movie. We are all, are all now finally on the same page that that's a extraordinarily overrated movie. But people talk about the problems with it like they're part of the reason it's good. That's backwards, and that's wrong. Backwards, Nolan. Yes. On purpose, so. <laughs> that's inverted. It's inverted. That, that's what's wrong with inverted it. It's inverted logic. Um, I would love to talk about weirdly watching this i had i came to this realization and it also goes back to our whole discussion about nolan and being out of touch and being out of touch with the common man is his obsession with super rich culture and it's not in a critical way like he's not critical of it he kind of wants to show it off he wants to show off the yachts he wants to show off the billionaires like it's not yes He's a bad guy, but at the same time, Nolan is having fun. Nolan's like, "This is what I'm gonna fucking do because it's cool." And I think and that's I think, the same reason. Like his, he has like set pieces in Mumbai all the time, and like, yeah, uh, like he's, why are they exactly. in these places? Like, but that's okay. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's part of his him being out of touch and him being him saying you gotta go to the theater to see it because he has his own personal theater that he can watch it. And why don't you? Um. Yeah. Yes. I. I. I think there is that Nolan aesthetic, right? Of sort of bland but fancy suits. Yeah. Um. You know, nice hotel rooms. I. I don't know. You know, and 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 the the you know it's the like yachts, that high class espionage. Like that's the, just like his thing. Like yeah, the yachts kind of looked like the Inception hotel rooms. Like fancy but not particularly interesting i think that's the point you know i mean i don't i don't know oh, that he's, he's making... doing it tape is doing it 
<laughs> I don't it's know boring, that he's making, but that's no, the point. <laughs> I don't know that he's making a statement about rich people, but, um, you know, like, I think he's just an oligarch, you know, and but, all those uh, the guys. The reason I think that's okay is, and we brought this up on the Nolan podcast, Nolan's movies aren't trying to say anything. I think that's, I think and that's, that's definitely also true. I think 100% that's definitely true. fine. I don't think that's always true, it's, though. Maybe not like, always, I but it's, it's definitely true in this movie, something. though. I, but I, I am not. I don't need his this movie to say something. I, I just, I, I'm totally fine with just like the, the rich people and the, you know, the world traveling and things like that. I think that's all, totally fine. But guys, um, <sighs> but the but the bad guy basically being Thanos is what I have a problem with. But trying I mean, to collect all the Infinity don't you think Stones. That's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I guess that's the problem I have is that like. You know, we, we talk about this sometimes. Like, do you, you, you know, you leave a movie wanting more. That's generally a good, uh, that's generally a successful um, directorial, you know, kind of uh, achievement when, you know, we we leave being like, give me more of this. And, 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 and I, I wrestle with that because sometimes it can be like, oh, this is an incomplete movie. But I think it's fascinating that, you know, Kenneth Branagh's character was a young, poor person in this in, in Soviet Russia. You know, oh, maybe that's why Ch- I knew there was. That's why Chapin likes this movie. Maybe it's got he, a tie maybe, to Soviet Russia. You know, he was like it has, it has he was touches like, of Chernobyl. I wanted to go digging in the zone um, <laughs> to look for stuff. You know, did you guys know? Did, I mean, this soundtrack has absolutely has uh, um, stalker references in it which you guys got to admit the score is amazing but anyways i didn't always uh, like how it was utilized though so he he's he's like recovering nu- uh, nuclear fissile material and he discovers that the this package that has been left for him from the future and he is given the resources to become this russian oligarch who's bought his way into british society um, because he communes with the future. And I think that's fascinating and interesting and an idea that we haven't thought about. I'll admit that like, that's not exactly what the movie is about. I mean, that's a part of the movie and, but you know, and, and maybe Nolan misses, you know, some of the more interesting parts of this film, but I don't know. I think okay. the, the core ideas here are fascinating and yes, I like that too. I like the concept and, and, of this and the movie. Point, but the point is that nobody delivers an experience like this, like Nolan. He is a singular filmmaker in this way. Okay, and what I said at the top was that this is... I'll even I'll read exactly what I said. This is... Uh, where is it? Um, now I can't find it. Basically, this is... Uh, all these things spun together in a way that perhaps only Nolan can attempt, if not achieve. That's true. And I like the concept of this movie, but and this is going to sound like a very basic criticism, but make it make sense. Like, and that's something that he's always been so good at, and especially I think it does. with I think it does repeated viewings. You. And I'm excited to watch this movie again. I will admit, I'm we're talking about it. I'm literally thinking about when my next chance is going to be to watch this. So, and that's for a lot of reasons. And I really, really do hope that it gets better. But it wasn't getting better on my second viewing. It was getting worse. And the stuff that I was reading and the more I was trying to uncover what was going on in this movie, 
aside from my frustrations that I have to do that, it was getting worse. Yeah, weirdly, like, I don't care if it makes sense. I'm just not that interested in the emotional connection of this movie. And because of that, I don't think this will ever work for me. That's interesting. Um, so you're you're way down on it because, like... I, yeah, I don't care. Like, like, if it makes sense or not, like, it's not Inception to me. It doesn't have that intrigue of timeline. I just... It, it, like I don't, I don't want to know more about inversion. I don't want to know more about what the their world. I just, I don't care. I, I literally don't. And like, what I want is some sort of connection to these characters. And I also like, I, I'm a fan of John David Washington. I loved him in Black Klansman, but he was boring in this. And I think he was intentionally boring and was directed that way by Christopher Nolan in this. I, I think he was told to be a blank slate and uh, it just didn't work. I agree with that. Um, and it's disappointing because I also like him and I, I, this was in, in the way that it turned out to be for Pattinson. I thought this was going to be that for John David Washington, launch him to superstardom, which it's going to, whether I like it or not. Um, and I, that's fine. I still like him as an actor. I just didn't like him in this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have as big an issue with the absence of a connection to the characters, mostly because like, I don't, I didn't need that in this movie in the same way that you don't need to know more about Inversion. I w- I'm fine with this being a somewhat surface-level story. If it's going well, my to thing is, like, I include give, I, Nolan's brilliance with time manipulation, but that didn't work, at least hasn't yet. I give Nolan credit for being able to tie the two things together. Like, I think he does it in Inception. I think Leo's character, you do feel his past in that. And he he's, like, Nolan is able to have, like, have an emotional draw to his movies normally. And that's why I think he's such a great director because he can figure that out. And I don't think he he figured it out here. It's not, I I think he made a a concerted effort to not give a past to John David Washington or Robert Pattinson's character in this movie, which is really interesting because it is so much about past and present. And like, it's about their future. I mean, they have a future. We know that. Right. Their past, present and future. Exactly. Well, we know that because he says, they tell us that basically at the end, but we don't really see that either. And this movie suggests that like your future is your past and like so on, cause it's all kind of blurring the lines. So, but he makes a very intentional effort to avoid these characters having any backstory. We're introduced to them as very much blank slates. John David Washington's character's name is the protagonist. He doesn't even have a name. So, to yeah, just because he does it on purpose doesn't d- mean it works. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I agree. But, I, you know, you were saying maybe he missed the mark. I think he didn't try. And there was a reason, and I'm not sure I know what the reason was. Something else I couldn't quite figure out with this movie. But, Chapin, this was your most anticipated movie of the year. You clearly liked it more than we did. I think yeah. it was actually, like, the most anticipated thing of your entire life. Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah. Were you satisfied? I was. I mean, you knew you knew you were going to be disappointed. Yeah, you I know. I knew. I, I knew I was. Yeah. But like, well, taking all that into no, into I think consideration, I think 
I think it's a brilliant idea, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think Nolan gets bogged down in his own minutia and his own kind of eccentric way he needs to tell stories. But I think, like, this is why... I think Nolan is a filmmaker that I really respect, and I think the reason I do is because he delivers experiences like this, like I said, like a singular experience. And to be honest and to be fair to him, this is one that would do would do very, very nicely in the theaters. And um, I would I would wager and I'm gonna, we're going to do it on wax that, you know, after you guys, see, if you guys are able to watch this a couple more times, you know, in a couple of years, you might come around on this film. I'm not I'm not sure that you will or not. I don't know. It, it's, it hasn't ha- it's happened before. Yeah. But I, I, I think that. um I think this is a super smart idea and, and, and I, you know, in, in a world where, you know, (laughs) we've been, you know, we've, we've done a lot of kind of very personal sort of real, as I said about last week, I was thinking, I had a side note about, uh, interestingly enough, Soderbergh was instrumental in getting, in luring, uh, Nolan to Warner Brothers um, to do Insomnia because he did that for Section 8. And so there, there's some connection here between our podcast. But I, I had this image in my mind of Soderbergh and and Nolan meeting at a party pre-COVID and telling each other what they were doing for their more their most <laughs> upcoming movies. And uh, Nolan asks, what are you doing, Soderbergh? And he tells him, and then, you know, by the time Nolan is done telling Soderbergh about his movies, you know, the bus boys are cleaning up and sweeping. <laughs> no, by the time he's done telling him, uh, Soderbergh's already made another movie. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a it's no wonder Nolan wanted this movie to go in the theater because he probably was like, it was to make so much money. This Everybody's going to have to see this five times in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, and so... um. Look, it's not as it's not as successful as Inception. I don't think it's as successful as Interstellar. Um, so rank it, Chapin, on your list. Jeremy's got it at the bottom. Like this is number eleven for you, or whatever. This is like the very bottom for you, Jeremy. Yeah, but just even think about this compared to like uh, Interstellar, which is a movie that isn't super high on my list. But McConaughey's character is so. Yeah, like, I mean that's that's the thing. You're is that, so attracted to him as to, a character. To and Jeremy's point, for him. to Lee's point about the Bond movie, I do think this is a Bond movie, and I do think the reason that's sort of a disparaging comment is that like you really don't care about there. There's an emotional element missing here. In Inception, you've got Leo getting back to his kids and the the Marion Cotillard element of it and you've in interstellar you've got the fatherhood part of it and there's just not that here and i think that's like a really important missing piece you know like there's nothing to ground us emotionally in the in this piece um because he's dealing with such big topics like this is the end of the world and and we're supposed to care about that but really i mean like inception is kind of a small scale movie when you compare it to tenant for example like it's just. I don't think so. No, think no, but like complex. scales are small. They're they're not just affecting mean, everybody. Yeah. Exactly. I just mean in in a, in a gotcha. good way. Like like like, you know, ultimately the world doesn't care if they emerge from that seven forty seven flight, having extracted or incepted right. that point or not. Um, 
but you you care about what happens because you care about Leo. You care about these characters. I think that that is a missing component here. Um, and maybe that will emerge in the form of Elizabeth Debicki's character or whatever. But I, I, don't, I, I don't think so. I think and, and I think that's the big key missing point here. And I think, frankly, that was missing from Dunkirk, too. I think, like, there's... I disagree. No- I think, like, like, I think about Dunkirk. I think about Tom Hardy's character. I think about our main character trying just to survive. Like I had such emotional connection to all that. Even Kenneth Brenna in that you're you, when, when he sees the boats, you're just like relieved. Yeah, you're so care. happy. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and here, none of that is, is a part of that. I'm going to make one more like final point just on the stakes and then I'll talk and then we can move on. But I think that, I don't think that the end of the world this destroys everybody stakes work. I don't think that works in any movie. Like there's a point where the stakes just get too big that they become just ridiculous and they're just not, they're not emotional anymore. Like the, yeah, the, the movie, the movie I'm working like on plays some, on that concept. There needs to be some semblance of reality. Like this is basically just Kenneth Branagh tr- trying to get all the infinity stones to close his fist and make the world disappear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the same thing, and like, are we watching a comic book movie or are we watching a Nolan movie here? And that's that's just a little bit too much. And like, I didn't totally buy that. Like this whole they try to repeat it. I can't if I if he can't have Elizabeth Debicki, then no one can. So I'm gonna destroy well, the whole it, world. That's not what it is. He was he's been he's been oh, paid okay. To it's do about because it. because of climate change. Okay, is gonna destroy the world anyway. So the future decides to do it this way instead. That that. Oh, don't, I did. Don't like even that get little, me started. I, I like how it threw in climate change. Like, oh, oh, now I'll pay attention. But um, I would, I would rank this on my list. I was look, I'm looking at my Nolan list. This is seven or eight. Basically, it's is it ahead of the Dark Knight or behind the Dark Knight for me right now? Uh, which would put Batman Begins, Interstellar, Memento, Inception, The Prestige, and Dunkirk ahead of it. Um, time will tell. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us! Because they believe in us and what we're doing! I'm on the phone with every studio at night! Insurance companies! Producers! And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies! We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again! And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their homes because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night. In the future of the industry. So I'm sorry, I'm beyond your apologies. I have told you, and now I want it. And if you don't do it, you're out. We are not shutting this movie down! Is it understood? If 
I see it again, you're gone. And so are you. So you're going to cost him his job. And I see it on the set, you're gone. And you're gone. That's it. Am I clear? Do you understand what I want? Do you understand the responsibility that you have? Because I will deal with your reason. And if you can't be reasonable, and I can't deal with your logic, you're fired. That's it. That is it. I trust you guys to be here. Okay. So... Before we get to our discussion on Tenet, we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. Before, before we get to our discussion, oh, see, he oh, can't even follow saying. the. Thir- oh, I can't. The thread. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, I'm okay. inverted, Jeremy, on this gotcha. pod. Sorry, I was not inverted. Correct. Yep. So you heard me speaking backwards. You couldn't understand what I said. No. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Chapin, can we play the clip of yep. Tom Cruise? Mm-hmm. All right. So. I really want to hear what Jeremy's thoughts on this, especially because he is on a movie set during COVID uh, and has some experience about how this works and what this looks like. So um, I want to hear what he has to say, especially. But I, I just want to kind of get in my quick thought, basic thought, my initial thought, especially. And I I have like some issues with what Cruz said and how he said it but ultimately I found it very satisfying and refreshing to hear a powerful person that people know and people listen to whether they should or not emphasizing the seriousness of COVID-19 There's, there has not been a lot of that and I think you know he said what is going on in our heads a lot of time when we walk around and see people with masks underneath their noses and things like that. And I I found that just like oddly comforting to hear him ream out all the people that I'm, that I see that I want to ream out for that exact thing. I don't know the circumstances. We don't know the circumstances and really whether or not it was entirely warranted. But when all is said and done, like I was sort of grateful to hear that, that, (laughs) you know, does that make sense? Did you guys feel that way at all? Well, I, I have two opposing thoughts on this. I mean, yes, opposing I me more... or opposing yourself? Opposing myself. Well, Jeremy, okay. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I, I, we, you probably can't reveal a lot of this stuff, but we read it. You sent us an article talking about mm-hmm. how much COVID was costing productions and <laughs> the number that they were quoting it costing a big money, a, a big uh, the COVID cost for a big movie was uh double the was a was your the number you gave us was double that number for an entire production for a week of your production (laughs) so it's interesting how expensive this stuff can get yeah for sure um that's why cruises on the phone with insurance companies every night (laughs) this is one this is one of those things where like the more you actually know and you experience, you realize how silly it sounds. Because I listened to this and I thought Cruz is a complete asshole about it. Because um, apparently he got really mad for people being within the six feet of each other. And that's nearly impossible not to do on a movie set. 
Like you have to help each other out. Like you're carrying things together. Like you're gonna be within six feet. It's impossible. Anybody that's ever been on a movie set, even now in COVID, it's not. It's not gonna happen. You're gonna be wearing the correct PPE. You're gonna be masked up. You're gonna be wearing glasses if you're on set. But you cannot avoid being that close to each other. So the fact to me that that Tom Cruise saw two people close to each other, maybe they were at a monitor looking, you know, literally at the only monitor there was and it like and and then losing it on him makes no sense to me. Like it's one of those things where you have to know what a movie set really is when you when you're there and you just have to know like that is unacceptable and it's unacceptable for him to yell like that at any point in that article i sent you guys it it is very true like now more than ever we know how how transient these jobs can be like we were out of work for six months like we are at the beck and call of those people like tom cruise because we don't want to lose our jobs again. Like we want this to go well and we want to be able to work. And, and like, we know how easy it is now to just not be working. So if he's going to yell at us, like we're, you know, we're gonna, what are we going to do? We're not going to yell back. And, and that's my, that was my initial feeling toward like hearing this was like, he just didn't need to do that. It's not it's not fair to whoever that was. If really it would be one thing if they took off their mask and started having a conversation right next to each other. Right, like if that was the case, that. I would get I'd get that reaction. But if it was literally that they were too close having a conversation with masks on and PPE, like what do you, like it's it's part of being on a movie set. The opposing view I have is I think it's really good for the film industry that this leaked out because me being in locations, I have to have this argument, not argument, but I have to have, I have to convince people that we take this seriously, which we really, really do. And we spend a lot of money and we have very strict protocol. Um, But like, they hear something like this and they go, oh, well, yeah, you guys really do take it. You know, you really take it seriously. You hear that Tom Cruise, he was real mad about a breach of the the COVID protocol. And Tom Cruise's so, ideas have always been sound. Like, he was real mad. You guys must really care. And we do, because he is right about this. Like, jobs depend on it. Like, there's a lot of money on the line. Like, there, that that part's a hundred percent correct, but I don't, I didn't particularly like the way he dealt with it, and right. and, um, and I and I, yeah. I I agree that like in any line of work, I don't think that there's a whole lot of warrant for that sort of an outburst. I also think, for the same reason, coincidentally, I think the stakes in a movie that the world is going to end and everybody's going to die are ineffective. yelling like that in that scenario is ineffective. It sort of dilutes the point you're trying to make. Like you listen to this audio clip and you can kind of separate the points he's making from the fact that it just sort of gets kind of comical. Like he's like losing his mind. Like there's a reason everybody's like (laughs) clipping it with, uh, uh, I wanted to say Rex Grossman, Grossman. Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder, (laughs) his character in that, like, because it's ridiculous. He sounds ridiculous. And 
when he <laughs> he says, I'm on the phone all night with insurance companies. Well, no, you're not. You're, <laughs> you're probably not. Yeah. Like, it just starts to sound a little silly, and he starts I mean, to go thing- overboard, and, like, it dilutes the point that he's trying to make. Yeah. There's, There's a better a way to deliver to it. it. Exactly. There's just a better way to deliver it, but as far as, like, a... Um, like, uh, I don't know what the word of like getting it, getting that message out to the broader world of how serious movies take this and how important it is to them. Yeah, I think it actually worked out for us. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't even thought about that. Chapin. Yeah, I, uh, well, look, I, I think, um, I think it's it's very rarely appropriate to yell at people like that. I, it's not how I would want to be treated. Um, I think there is a little bit of, um, a little bit of, uh, a, a break because he was yelling at a, 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 presumably the whole crew instead of targeting a couple people. I think that's probably. It sounded like he was targeting people. He's like it, you and Yeah, you. Uh, two guys were, two, were close. Um, I am, you know, the, 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 the movie has been shut down before because people got sick he spent a lot of money to keep people uh, isolated you know personal money um i think one thing that i think i admire about cruz is that he's been very um exemplary about wearing the mask he uh you know there's a lot of press that surrounds the making of these movies uh, the mission impossible movies they're all over the world and wherever they go they're photographed and he's always wearing a mask uh, when he went to go see Tenant in theaters in, in London when he was making this movie and they posted about it on social media, he he and Christopher McQuarrie were wearing masks. I think that's really good because a lot of a lot of celebrities think they're above it, like they don't have to wear masks. Uh, I would wager, Jeremy, on your set, maybe you can talk about this, maybe you can't, but that maybe some people think they're powerful enough that they don't have to wear masks. I don't know if that's true or not. No, they all do. Well, that's great. Um, but I've seen like a lot of celebrities who don't think they have to wear masks. Uh, I think Tom I mean, Cruise. They says, here's the thing: like they don't wear them in the scene. So like, right? Well, a lot I was thinking like I was thinking like the of, director or something who didn't. Who no, like, absolutely not. Okay, good. Like absolutely not. And like the but the problem is like it, paparazzi will take pictures of them. Right. I mean, without it because they're, they're not going to wear them shooting. Exactly. They're not going to wear them in the scene. And then you'll get comments like, oh, not wearing a mask. But like, no, you're <laughs> right, wearing right. the mask every so other stupid. second. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think I think Cruz has been great about that. He's I think he's made a point about wearing a mask. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's ever good to yell at people. I mean, hopefully this will be done in a couple months, right? Like everybody will be vaccinated. We won't have to ever worry about couple this. Months. I, I think it's going to be several months. Well, whatever several it is. Months. Yeah, we're but we're. I, g- on the back, I, but, but back, like, back you know, I, I admire that he cares that much. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I think, I, I think Cruz, unlike a lot of celebrity producers, is actually a real producer on these movies. I, you know, I, while I don't think he's like talking to insurance companies at night, I bet <laughs> it is difficult to, to maintain these productions. And I bet it's very frustrating because. You well, know, yeah. a lot of people 100%. To, in, in to control optics. like 200 people of it. But I, but again, like, I, I, I don't think like I, I, <laughs> I had, I yelled at people like this when I made my movie 10 years ago and I've regretted it. And it's been something I've felt except, Jer- except yelling at Jeremy. Well, I, oh, well, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy just get in it. the water. It's in the script. <laughs> well, yeah. And we gave you a wetsuit for Christ's sakes. He's still doing it. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. 
<laughs> I'm on the phone every night. I'm on the phone. I'm getting to Westchester. I'm renting a sailboat. Jesus Christ. But, I, um, but the thing is, like, it's the never nice. Are- it's never nice to yell at people. And I told you guys this last night. I went through. I for some reason <laughs> went like did yeah. a deep dive on my e- on my Gmail from 12 years ago when I was like, you know looking at my history of and and of course like seeing all the when i used to work on productions and people are just fucking rude they just yeah. the way they email me can you print this print please do this and mixed in with emails from me that said can you please pay me for the bills this month yeah and then you know <laughs> you like I, I i was emailing you know we took a i was telling telling lee because he had worked with the same guy i took a break from shooting this pilot unexpectedly and so i decided to go home and so i'm living at home paying rent in la and i'm asking this guy you know when you guys when do you think you guys will start again and this was like in you know november and i'm and he's like we don't know, but can you help me move? And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, like you guys are such assholes. Fuck you. He doesn't yell at people anymore. Yeah, no. Uh, the uh, weirdly, the optics of this whole Tom Cruise thing is great for movies. Like people who are wondering, like, should I do this? Should I let a movie crew into my space because of COVID? Like, are they going to take it seriously? Like. It actually is good optics for it, but I, I just don't see the reason for him to have well, had. I don't. I don't. I read. This out first. I don't know if it was today or yesterday that I, he had another one, and yeah. like five people quit uh, afterwards. So, yeah. I mean, he was being a dick. Like ultimately, he was. Right now, look. This is not excusing this behavior at all. And I know sometimes we don't really think that Tom Cruise is a real human being, but we are all like at our emotional <laughs> ends yeah. you know and like if you add the money on, that he's putting into this project and like you know he sees people threatening and making it threatening it and making it worse like i Look, i, I, I kind of want to give anybody a pass for snapping and like just losing his it. uh and, his mission is impossible and he just <laughs> but he chose to accept it so ha- he just has <laughs> to figure it out but he's in the minority and he has to report it sometimes, yeah, sometimes what if he, he like report. ripped his ripped his face off but it was anthony fauci just like yeah. <laughs> this is this is a war of the worlds the whole entire world is is dealing with this and yeah you know he's 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 on the forefront of it so it was very firm um yeah it was yeah, yeah. and look you know he's not we're not all born on the 4th of July. We're not can't all just be patriotic every moment. We have to sometimes just like, you know, say, the problem, hey, the, pro- is- the problem with the Mission Impossible set is there's only a few good men. Um, <laughs> oh, I was going to do that one. That was the one I was going with. I was waiting yeah. for my my moment. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, you, you have to be very, very man. organized. Like you have to be you have to be like Rain Man. Basically, you have to make yeah. sure every yeah. single thing is on point. And it, it was going to be a racist tirade until he got the minority report. Jeremy already did that one. Damn it. Yeah. You're All out. Right. We've, we've Jay, killed out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jaypins was pretty good, though. Uh, that's, just that's, trying to think. Uh, just trying to think of the yeah, the, the, the yeah, way the it's, way you it's just get all through, Mission Impossible. You just say that be honest, seven the times. way the way you get through COVID is with your eyes wide shut. You know. Yep. Well, well, if you die, it's just pretty much a, a ghost protocol. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
It's a risky business, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee, this is a good time to wrap it up. <laughs> All right. God. We're not going to have a popular podcast anymore. We're going to be like outsiders. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that'll wrap up this amazing Oh, man. This podcast, podcast was a fucking legend. I got to be honest. We finally got to see Tenet. We finally got to talk about Tenet. And now you finally, at long last, get to listen to us talk about Tenet. Check us out on Instagram. Email us your thoughts on Tenet. Uh, your thoughts on any other upcoming fixy potential films. Uh, what's next, guys? Mo, um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, maybe? That's available. Sorry, Chad Sound of Bozeman. Metal. Sound of Metal. We could do that. Ammonite's available. Uh, we've got a long list to look through. So stay tuned. It's still fixy season, even though the movies haven't been all that representative of it as of late, with the exception of Mank. Brilliant film. All right, I'm rambling. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.